0: The following program is brought to you by the Humble Farmer Bed and Breakfast in St. George, Maine. Thank you for listening. You know, there are all kinds of lifestyle gurus out there. They'll tell you how to look better, how to feel better, how to make more money, how to get more done. I just saw one article listed online that you can download. It's an article that will teach you how to get up early. (laughs) You don't need to bother to download it because I'm going to tell you right now how to get up early. Get some cows.
1: (laughs) Hi there this is Clark Terry here reminding you to pull your bearkins a little closer to the fire that's it <laughs> you talking hey uh, watch out for those snapping sparks everybody cozy now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer you've worked hard all day and you deserve to relax now so stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music
0: on the Harry Allen thing almost missed you on that one and here is a response here is a response to that recent letter I read about the doctor the one who cuts off parts of your feet so you can squeeze them into pointy small shoes Martha writes and says no wonder alien spaceships don't want to land here kinds of good people within there, maybe Scott Hamilton, I don't know. A very nice trombone player, we know that. There are forces in the there are forces in the universe that transcend the best intentions of even rich and powerful men, and that is our topic today. My friend, the B boy is a type A. He is a fussy man. His cars are clean and polished. His many homes are clean and polished. Uh, One of his more recent wives, well, she's clean and polished. And, And it came to pass that an appraiser knocked at the door of the boy's primary residence and said that he was there to appraise. And because the boy's wife was distressed, because no one was allowed to wear their shoes into the boy's house, and in particular... No one was allowed to wear their shoes while walking on the boys' plush carpets in the living room. Now, now you might not understand this if your living room is no more than a ballpark for your six kids, the neighbor's kids, and and any animal lucky enough to sneak in to forage food scraps off the floor. And you might not understand this if you are of an artistic temperament. It wasn't that long ago that I was thinking about a man I once saw clipping his toenails in his dining room. Why did he clip his toenails in his dining room? Well, he was an artist. And, as the great Purse Sane once said about the lobsterman who built a skiff in his kitchen, after all, what's a kitchen for? And after all, if you're an artist, what's a dining room for? "'And with that said, uh, let us go back to the side door "'of the boy's primary residence, where an appraiser stands, "'hat in hand, waiting to be invited into appraise. "'And although the boy's wife was afraid to tell the nice man "'that he would have to remove his shoes before entering the house, "'she was even more afraid of her husband's wrath if she did not. "'What do you suppose she did?' "'Yes, she took a deep breath and apologized.' And said that she would have to ask him to remove his shoes because stepping on her husband's plush carpets—well, it was something he couldn't do. And 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 the man said that that he would dearly love to remove his shoes, but one of them was glued on to his wooden leg. Here on The Humble Farmer Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer With any luck at all I'm here every week at this time Playing old-fashioned music just for you I am grateful that you are here listening Because you are my only listener I hope you'll send me an email I'm thehumblefarmer at gmail.com Tell me who you are I'd like to know who my one listener is You will recall, perhaps, that Jimmy Parker advised me against putting shelves in my garden's tomb shed. Jimmy said, and he was right, he said that if I picked all the stuff off the floor, and if I put it on shelves, think what it would do. It would only create a big, empty floor, which would cry out to be covered with more stuff. I'd be locked into a never-ending cycle of building more shelves and accumulating more junk. I'd end up like the man in Fort Kent who built 24 rental storage units, but then discovered that he needed them all for himself. But, uh, with the help of Victor, my Spanish professor, I put in the shelves anyway. My father was a carpenter, and I inherited my father's radial arm saw, so making shelves is really no big deal for me. I can so up zip, zip, zip. My tool shed started off as a Finnish, a Finnish sauna. And it was probably made by Victor Corponen around 1925. Now this building might have been square 80 years ago, but today it's crooked. So what do you do when you put shelves in a crooked building? Do you make them conform to the ship-like contours of the bulkheads? Or do you try to make everything square and level? My father, who was a carpenter, my father didn't like to work in old houses because everything was crooked. I can remember when he put clapboards on John McCoy's house down by the ocean there forty, fifty years ago. I remember that John McCoy wanted the clapboards to run uphill to conform with the contours, you know, of his crooked house. But my father wanted to put them on level. You've you've heard me say that the south end of my 200-plus-year-old house is nine inches lower than the north end of my house. My house is that crooked. Did you try to straighten your old house when you moved in, or is one end of your kitchen counter one inch higher than the other? Makes it hard to bake bread and pies and stuff. Now, even if you haven't written a book on old houses, I'd like to know if you consider crooked floors and wants to be a problem. I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com and I, I would love to hear from you.
2: find there's just one scheme to you, your clouds of grey will drift away, if you keep this in mind each day, keep on pruning, pruning a tune, don't give sorrow chances to bloom, you'll see the bluebirds coming near, when they hear so keep on crooning just like a bird <coughs> warble morning, night and If you want to drive away the gloom, keep on crooning a tune.
0: shakers. You might know some of them. And then there are just plain movers. Every time I go away for a day or two, when I come home, my wife, Masha, the almost perfect woman, has moved around some furniture. Does this happen in your home? It doesn't seem to matter if things were nice and comfortable when she started. And I get the impression that she's moving stuff, you know, just for the sake of moving it. My friend, the B-boy, told me that his grandfather used to tear the shingles off the garage and put them back on, just to have something to do. And, of course, you realize we're talking here about that nervous type A energy. My wife, Marsha, can't even open windows or unscrew bottle tops. But she can move a couch with the power of her mind. It must be that. I can't understand how else she could do it. Wouldn't you expect anyone with this kind of power to s- sprout long green ears? Why do they do it? Why do bureaus that are upstairs have to be moved downstairs? And if you live with this kind of thing, I'd like to know how you survive. I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com, and to give my wife credit, my wife, Marcia, does not carry this moving business as far as her father, Bill, used to do. I've heard this story. One time, Masha's mother came home from a trip and discovered that Bill had sold their home on the lake and had bought a place next to Burger King. Django. I cheated this morning. For the past five months, Spanish has been my read-in of choice, because I know that no matter how slow a learner you might be, if you read a language over and over and over, there will come a day when vous will comprendo alles. But this morning I cheated and read French other than reading one line in there that upset me. And let me read you that French line that upset me. Mace la place d'une femme est au foyer. Now you understand my pronunciation isn't very good, but I understand what it says. And you needn't be ashamed if you lack a cosmopolitan education and need me to translate that foyer, because doctors and lawyers and engineers need small Latin and less Greek. Mace la place d'une femme est au foyer but the place of a woman is in the home, and that's what upset me reading that. And besides reading that one upsetting line in there, I noticed for the first time that on the front covers of all my Harlequin romances, and I probably have 50 or 60 of them in almost all of the Indo-European languages, except English. Yes, listen closely. On the front covers of each of these Harlequin romances is a picture of a man with black or brown hair hugging a blonde girl who's wearing a low cut dress. Yes, on the cover of every harlequin romance you will see a blatant example of age discrimination. My question to you is why don't some cheerful 70 and 80 year old people pose for those covers? Don't old people hug too? You know, a lot of us who are 80 years old still have teeth, so we can even smile for those cover shots. And if you think about it, you realize that the only difference between young people and old people in those cover pictures would be the color of their hair and a somewhat lower decolletage. I can't say it. (laughs) (laughs) Decolletage. Thank you. Petriscue quartet with Andreas Urberry there must have been Andreas Urberry playing bass there my word he was, he was making all the changes did I mention recently that, you, that I have to thank you for listening to the Humble Farmer here on your favorite radio station you know with any luck at all I'm here every week at this time playing old fashioned music just for you and here is a letter from Christopher way up in Bucksport Christopher writes, A few years ago, on a very cold Christmas day, my family and I were on our way to Gouldsboro, and there, on the top of a large spruce tree, sat a hawk owl. This was a first for me. After reporting the sight-in to the local bird club, I was the recipient of many telephone calls to help verify my sight-in. I'd been a birder for many years and attended trips with many of the regional experts. I'd not involved myself with the politics. I figured they could get the credit. They were successful. A couple of years later, Christmas Day to be exact, I spotted a ruby-crowned kinglet at my feeder in Bangor. The call went out and two big men and one small man came to my home and perched themselves in my kitchen to verify my sighting. They sat there most of the day. The bird never came back. I was subjected to various questions and the doubts were raised about my sighting. (laughs) I realized I had ruined their day and they were not happy about it. These competitive drives were never part of me. I believe you have kindled something I never experienced before. I have just witnessed... Two flying pigs, a female and a much more colorful male in winter plumage, browsing at my feeder. The call is going out later this morning. <laughs> I got to thank you for writing that, Christopher and Bucksport. I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com. nice little original phrase there we like that probably from 1938 Django of course here on the Humble Farmer (gasps) my friend Rich sent me a website called Working in America Job Tracker this website lists all the companies in Maine that are exporting jobs everyone knows that big box stores are nothing but huge funnels that suck money out of your area and the economic Pressure to export jobs is only one more reason that fewer Maine people are going to be able to own their own homes. I look at job exporting as a curious hydra because it's impossible to even discuss it without getting in the same position as Will Hunting. I think that was his name in that good Will Hunting movie. Remember where he's interviewing for a job as a code cracker for the government? Will Hunting was an incredible genius, and you might remember that chain of events that he said would occur if he took the job. It was a domino kind of thing. If if he did what they wanted him to do, something else would naturally happen, which would in turn cause something else to happen, and on and on and on. Domino theory. So no one should be surprised to learn that people who own companies set up their companies where materials are readily available and labor is cheap and that they have a right to shut down factories when the cost of labor eats into their profits. Makes sense. I knew a man in St. George, Maine, who made a good living by telling people where they should be setting up their manufacturing plants. He was one of these guys that knew how to figure out where the labor was and how you could get the materials that they needed to that plant. Now, you know that America is not unique in doing this. I I talked to the man in Holland... Who sold his factory but is opening another factory in Macedonia where the labor is cheap. No sooner do people get decent wages and decent working conditions and decent living conditions when the factory shut down and move to another area where people will work cheap. And of course the cycle will repeat itself there. So don't be surprised if more factories in Maine shut down and move away because most people here do expect a decent wage. Just about the only people in Maine still willing to work for next to nothing are school teachers. And I can't remember if he's the brother who plays clarinet or or trumpet. You can tell me. Dear Humble, this letter says, after this Friday's excellent show, I had occasion to see a segment on the late-night news about these ridiculous, ridiculous stiletto, three-to-six-inch-pointed, hundreds-of-dollar shoes for women. I know that you and I share the peeve about this nonsense. Firstly, once upon a time, the only women who were wearing stilettos were ladies of the night. Now, now mind you, this does not mean I'm a prude. Hardly. Secondly, we're back to those dumb points again. The human foot cannot properly fit into them. Which brings me to the news story, which was by fold. They featured special classes that women paid for on how to properly navigate their bodies when wearing these torture devices. My my word. Next was a Park Avenue, rather palatial, officed Dr. Levine, blonde damsel who was in the business of, with no apparent conscience, modifying the human foot. Her clients—I hesitate to say patients—I'm reading a letter here, by the way, in case you tuned in late. Her clients get injections to fatten up the ball of their feet so that they can balance themselves themselves on those stilettos, and she also removes bones and shortens toes so that the foot can be crammed into the points. Now, (laughs) my memory serves me correctly. But ABC once featured this same fine example of the medical profession when she was removing pinky toes for the same reason. Honestly humble. Are we living in a mad, mad world? Faithful listener, Alexandra. And I have to thank Alexandra for that. Yes, I have never understood why anyone would want to cram their feet into small uncomfortable shoes and i have i've never understood gambling or drinking or smoking or viagra if there were a place where one could go for iq injections however you know i'd be getting in line my time to get out of here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Yes, I, I like to leave you with a little thought when I can. Give a person a fish, and you feed him for a day. Teach a person to use the Internet, and he won't bother you again for weeks.